What's going on, Bears fans? Sports betting season is in full force with the NFL officially back, which means you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code CHICAGO125. BetUS is known as America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus by going to BetUS.com and using our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. What's going on, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, filling in for Will DeWitt. And of course, here is my co-host, Mason West, previewing a Bears-Buccaneers game. Mason, how are you feeling on this Thursday? I'm glad that I'm going to be in Disney, to be completely honest. But you know, if there's, if there's any game to miss, maybe it's this one. But at the same time, there's always a silver lining. Any given Sunday, right? Any team can beat anybody. So what do we as a Bears fandom, what, what can we expect the Bears to do to maybe turn this thing around? Yeah, no, I I mean, I'm right there with you. I'll, I'll be at a wedding this weekend for, for my buddy Nick. So first time being a part of a wedding. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then there's the game on Sunday. We'll, we'll go through it and see like how the Bears can maybe pull off a huge upset here. But I think Mason, before we dive deep, into this Bears Buccaneers game. Let's kind of talk about real quickly some of the commotion I will say that's been happening, you know, around some of these Bears players and, and just at Hallis Hall that's been coming out the news there. And I think we'll just start with, with Jalen Johnson and you know, really quickly, you know, him posting, you know, the fine that he got. What do you what what is your just opinion on him posting that and just everything that's been going on with that right now? Look, it could be nothing, right? It could just be young guy just getting annoyed that they have to pay, pay a little extra cash than they want to. Um, at the same time, it could mean a little bit more than that, too. You know, is there something going on in the locker room a little bit? Like, is, is Nagy losing that locker room just a little bit? Uh, and that was always the thing that people have been saying, like, he's great in the locker room, great motivator, all these things. Are things starting to slip, especially when you look at the schedule that's coming ahead? You know, you have a Buccaneers team, you have a couple of winnable games coming up, but then you got the Ravens. I mean, it's they have, what, the third hardest strength of schedule. Can things start slipping here? 
Yeah. Uh, so when I saw it all kind of happen, I was at work and I'm like, what, what's the big commotion here? And then the first thing I kind of thought of was just like, okay, yeah, fine for being what a minute late. It's like, I think it just the emotions and just come out like, guys, look at this. I got fined 20, whatever the amount was. And it was a minute late. So that's kind of how I took it. And obviously not, not the thing that you want to do. It, obviously kind of putting your, your head coach there on blast, but there are rules in place and you know if you and i are late we're not going to get fined 20 grand or you know if we do so maybe a slap on the wrist or it depends but yeah i think it's um i don't know if it maybe it goes that far but maybe down the road if we see you know a conflict within the locker room and to naggy's credit for for the most part throughout his tenure there hasn't been that kind of commotion where this internal conflict within the locker room so kudos to, to naggy for now, but we'll see if anything comes up if they keep on losing. And now, Mason, just kind of the the other DB that was in, you know, the, the news cycle here. Eddie Jackson kind of, you know, doing the little quote tweet with Lance Briggs. And, I mean, it's just so weird. Like, he must have looked up that tweet, right? I mean, I, how do you even find that? It's just weird. It's Sometimes it's weird how players kind of go about searching things and looking. It's like they're deliberately looking for something. Like players are people too, right? At, at the end of the day, I'm sure some people are like, oh, I don't care. You know, I'm going to play my game, all these things, but, but you care. You know, I know like, for example, every, I do still look like I look at our Yelp reviews for my physical therapy clinic. Cause I want to know personally, I want to know like how to make our clinic better. But at the same time, like, I do want to know what's going on. Like what people think about like how I am as a therapist, you know, and things of that nature. So, you know, players are people too. And, you know, I know, you know, in our post game, I said, I was, I'm done with Eddie Jackson. I need him to step up like much, much bigger. Uh, I had a couple of tweets talking about some of the stats of what's been going on with him and where I feel like there's been regression. I still stand by that. I still feel like he needs to step up and I still feel like there's been regression there. You hear Sean decide, talk about his role in the defense, right? How they ask him to play so many different positions. He's so versatile. He's did this, that, and the other. I still think you hear that from other players too, though. I think, you know, you hear JJ Watt being versatile when he was in his, like his heyday but he still made plays. Aaron Donald's versatile, but he still made plays, right? Ed Reed, you go back and back to a safety for the a little further back. He still made plays and he, you know, he was so important in that defense. You don't, you can't just disappear. And yes, you look at some of these stats, who knows? Someone's looking at it. They don't know exactly the coverage Eddie Jackson was supposed to be in. You know, was he supposed to be here? Was he supposed to be there? But you look like the stats still aren't good. I believe he's giving over 150 passer rating. It's something like 15 out of 20. Uh, he's, He's given up 15 completions on, I think, 20 uh, targets, something of that nature. It's not great. Do we know it exactly? Are the defensive coordinator sitting there? No. But at the same time, he is paid a lot, and he's not necessarily making plays. And then when a Bears legend comes and just, you know, is speaking, maybe you should listen a little bit. Like, you know, he may be wrong. Maybe Lance Riggs is wrong. But at the same time, you, you can't just slap that away either. You know, I completely agree. And, I mean – the him missing like a bunch of time. like you go you go back and watch Lance Briggs film and see how he played there there weren't many times he missed tackles he's usually finishing plays alongside her lacquer so yeah it's 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 interesting to see how you know current players kind of mix in with some of the you know legends like you said and and then you get you get this kind of news and it's not the right news because like you said Eddie Jackson again we don't know exactly every single coverage he's in but the, the splash plays aren't there and that's what he was paid to to make. So he needs to start making some of those. But, you know, we just wanted to address that before we get into this Bears and Buccaneers game. And you saw what Tom Brady obviously said, too, about Aaron Rodgers. And oh, we don't have to man. get into that. I know I know Bears fans are probably sick of, you know, 
the everything that Rodgers said in the last game, but it's out there. And I know that that ticks off Bears fans and I would hope Bears management too. Like George McCaskey. And I think, yeah, George McCaskey's got to be somebody that Bears Packers game, they hold a little bit more weight. And if that keeps circulating through, you know, news cycles, it's like, it's hard to, to, to pass or to, to not hear it, but we'll get into this game. Mason, the Packers are behind us, you know, owning the bears, hopefully is behind them, but we'll see what ends up happening here. But Mason, just to kind of start off things, what's kind of your initial perception of this, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that is rolling right now? Yeah, it is. In theory, if you look at it on paper, right, the uh, the strength that is the Buccaneers in terms of stopping the run and the weakness that is the Bears and the offense in general. But the only thing that really is a strength is their run game and being able to plug and play the running backs that they've had, even with all the injuries. So is that something where you're going to see? I'm just really curious where the Bears are going to go with this, because do you say, forget it? We know who we are. We're going to stick to the run or because we also know. Matt Nagy at times gets away from the run anyway. And yes, he's not the play caller, but it's still, you know, his fingerprints are still going to be all over this play calling scheme and what's going to be going on. You know, is this an excuse to be like, oh, you know what? Let's throw it. Let's get at it. Let's just like bombs away, uh, get back to all of our wide receiver screens. We love so much our hitches, you know, four hitches across the board, right up to the sticks and turn around with no creativity, no offense to the offense on that. Where do you go with that? Because, you, when you see the teams, like let's say the Tennessee Titans, teams know they're going to run with Derrick Henry. Like they know it. Now Derrick Henry, Khalil Herbert are not the same player. Let's let's just get that straight. But teams can still sell out to stop the run, and they run it anyway. And he breaks off, what was that last week, an 84-yard touchdown like yeah. early in the game, and he scores two more after that, knowing that he's going to run? Come on, like you you got you to gotta stick to who you are and the, and the personnel you have, and can the Bears do that? That's going to be the big question, Mason, and that's kind of a perfect transition to our talking points on offense. And my first one is Bears rushing tech with Khalil Herbert, because I think that is the identity right now. Regardless of who the running back is, the Bears want to run the football, you know, and what Khalil Herbert showed you in that first being the first time being a feature back, nice cuts, the vision, the acceleration. Everything, Mason, that you would have lo- you love to see in Khalil Herbert with 19 carries, 97 yards, just three short of 100. But look, the, the Buccaneers and their defense, they face the least amount of rushing attempts in the league, averaging just they're going against just 16.3 rushing attempts and are only allowing teams to average 54.8 rushing yards. Again, this can be due to it's you got to compl- you got to give uh, praise to that defensive line, that front seven. But you also just got to keep up with the Buccaneers on the offense. So teams, I think, are just kind of resorting to the passing game to try and do that. And is that going to be what Matt Nagy is going to do? And we'll get into what I think is going to be the best way for the Bears to kind of maybe be in contention in this game. But, yeah, one of the first bullet points is, like, we got to continue. The Bears got to continue to run the ball with Khalil Herbert. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you get away from that, right, if now all of a sudden you're asking Justin to throw it, first, second, third down, you're not going to win this game. You have no chance. Nothing against Justin Fields. You know, he's actually, if you look, playing more or less on par with the rest of the rookies right now. Yeah, actually, there is, if you look at it specifically, the numbers are eerily similar. You know, the pass attempts per game are a little lower for Justin Fields because they do lean on that run. It's about 21 right now compared to like a Trevor Lawrence at 36, Zach Wilson at 34. But 
if you actually end up looking at like, for example, eight yards per completion, Justin Fields is at 8.8, Trevor Lawrence at 6.7, Zach Wilson 7.4, Mac Jones 5.4. That's all pretty, pretty darn good. I'm, I'm okay with that. Or even like first down passing percentage. Justin's at, you know, 28%. Zach Wilson's at 26, Trevor Lawrence at 38, Mac Jones 32. They're all kind of right in that same general bubble. So you're not going to point it at Justin and be like, oh, you're the problem. He's a rookie learning the game. But Every time he sees a coverage, there's a chance that's a new coverage he's seeing for the first time, a new role, right? Rolling from cover two to a cover one, confusing schemes, all those things. So you want him to learn and see as much as he can, but at the same time, you want to be in a context where he keeps the confidence and that all of a sudden you're not putting too much on his shoulders. So you have to be able to commit to that run game. Even if you're only getting little small chunk plays, two, three yards, because the hope is eventually, yeah, you can break the dam and get some larger ones after that. No, that's, that's a really good point there, Mason. And, Actually, going back to to Justin Fields on on the two touchdown drives, Mason, this is where I think we're seeing growth. And this is the most important part that regardless of how this game ends, everybody who's listening, watching, we need to see what Justin Fields is doing. And what you saw against the Packers, yes, they only had two scoring drives. But on those two scoring drives, Fields hit every single one of his passes. And And you throw in the pass interference call on the first drive where he's targeting Marquise Goodwin in the end zone, draws that flag. So he went three for three on the first drive. And then he went five for five in that, that second drive. Two 80-yard drives. And that's where you want to see, look, you don't, you're not going to expect Justin Fields' Bears offense to go on 80-yard drives to score touchdowns every single time. But on those two drives, the what was a commonality that, that happened on those, Justin Fields found Cole Komet for a reception. He hit Darnell Mooney for a reception. Hit Allen Robinson for a reception. And those, I think, are the three guys, right? And look, Cole Komet is just entering the equation for, you know, being in this in this conversation just because of what he did last week. But those are guys that you, you do want to get involved because you're not really, other than, you know, Marquise Goodwin, the pass interference call, Demir Bird is non-existent. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, the, I don't know if, uh, Mason, you saw the video that the Bears posted where he uh, bumps helmets with Darnell Mooney. Like, <laughs> that, that was hilarious. I'm like, that's the only thing that man done in terms of like production. He just almost concussed Darnell Mooney. He's a small guy, but it's uh, those three guys that I mentioned, Komet, Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson. I would think they would need to be heavily utilized in the passing game. If you want any shot. And also a thing that they did on the, on that first drive, the first uh, pass play of the game for the bears against Packers. It was a rollout. You hit Komet wide open in the flat. Then on that second drive, you find you find Allen Robinson. He's actually rolling out left, and he's keeping his eyes downfield and finds Allen Robinson for a twenty plus gain. So, I think yes, the Bears need to commit to the run. We both established that. But if you you actually want to win this game, and you want to compete with Tom Brady and that high octane Bucks offense, you're gonna have to pass it, and it's got to just be efficient and down the field and just big chunk yards. Because if you're expecting the Bears to go. 80 yard drives consistently probably not going to work right there's no way it can i mean if you look at where they're at currently right i mean they're in 30s the bottom of the league in so many categories offensively and that's because they don't get the the big plays they're seventh in the league in rush rush yards per game which is fantastic but when you're at 30 seconds in yards per play when you're at 30 second in yards per game when you're at 30 second in pass yards per game uh right if you're in 30 second in yards per pass it, you, it's hard to win games because you put no pressure on the other team. Like your defense doesn't get a rest, all of those things. 
Now, the question ends up becoming what kind of passing attack should you have with Justin Fields and the, and the weapons that you have? Because you hear from all sides, right? One game, it's that the Bears aren't passing downfield enough. And then when the plays do take a little longer, like I think we saw in the Green Bay Packers game, right? They were trying to get some long, deeper passes. Justin has to hold the ball a little longer, and he has to process. Now that's when you can get sacks, and now all of a sudden you get pushed out of field goal range, right? So it's where you where do you want it? People were uh, yeah. criticizing Nagy because before the half, he said, well, in the, for this play, we're trying to we have some uh, routes built in to get short yardage to make an easier field goal, and we have some routes that are built in to get deeper ones so we can potentially get a touchdown. That sounds like, in theory, the perfect kind of play design you want, and then people are like, why are you doing that anyway? You, you cost us a field goal. And it's like, but you would have complained if we just settled for a field goal, though. So, you know, it's, it's just the, this is the part of having a rookie quarterback learning how to do this. Now, you do want to see some more intermediate routes. I will say that. I feel like it's been too much home run or, or check down almost, right? Like, I don't need to see another five-yard hitch route from Al Robinson. I, unless it's for a first down, I just don't. No, I, I agree with that. Attacking the middle of the field, then, look, you you hit Cole Komet on a nice play-action pass uh, later in the game against the Packers. So I think that's an area where they can continue to – try things out and like you were saying earlier they need to try things out and it does get a little murky in terms of you know what what coverage is defense playing like you were kind of saying earlier mason like he just feels maybe seeing all this for the first time and that's maybe slowing down the process or the, the his processing but yeah it's all these these trying to find that balance and it, it is tough but mason so going back the, the bears scored 14 points against the packers and that was a secondary that was missing some guys right what what is something like if you had to pinpoint one thing that the Bears should do differently on offense this week? Oh, man, I just I think we, we kind of just talked about it. But when you look at the passing chart for Justin Fields right now, it's very it's very boundary based. Right. Yes. And the ones that, that I think of when it comes to that first drive was boundary based. Right. There was the that out to Mooney. There was the Allen Robinson catch between two defenders. That was beautiful. The Come one ask. time you really saw anything in the middle, technically you had that, it was that one to Goodwin, but at the same time, like you had a, the, the end zone there. And so you had, you had another boundary in a way. So where are the seam routes from the tight ends, right? Where's, where's just, where's that middle attack? Where's a little screen to a running back that you can get a little bit more up the middle because now all of a sudden, if a team knows that all they have to do is defend the boundary and force everything into middle in that congestion, in theory, that vision gets pushed in as well. And that's where Justin has to now change where that thought process is. So, you know, again, we already said it a bit, but we would, I'd love to see more. When's the, I haven't seen a slant in a while. I mean, I don't love them at every single time, but like when's a nice, easy, hey, hey, Rob, beat this guy off the line. Just get a nice slant to play. Uh, right. Where's where's that scene pass to a Cole Komet? That would that'd be nice. No, that would be nice, Mason. Maybe too much to ask for at this point. But um, one thing that I was kind of looking at for what the Bears need to do differently they just need to avoid those those empty plays. And what I mean by that are just plays that gain zero yards or one to two yards, especially early on in the downs. And there were some high passes, too, from Justin Fields in that game against the Packers. And, you know, towards the sideline, there was a couple that he missed. But after that Packers' first initial touchdown, you go an incomplete pass. Like the next drive following the Packers' uh, first touchdown of the game, here's how it kind of goes a sequence. You have the incomplete pass on first down. You have a Herbert run. That went for a yard. Then you got third and nine, and there's nothing open downfield. Justin Fields has to run and get sacked. So 
you're you can't have these plays where you're gaining nothing and going behind the chains because that's just going to set you up for these third and longs every single time. And that's just not where the Bears offense wants to relatively even operate. They can barely operate when they're above the chains. So if they're behind or having this third and long, that's not going to help. But it's also going to take individual players stepping up. There was a drop by Khalil Herbert on sec- second and six, where I thought it was at the time, like, I wonder if that's going to come back to bite, you know, the Bears. It was second six on the first drive of the third quarter. And then you go to third and six. And it looked like Justin Fields maybe abandoned the pass a little early, but he gets sacked. It's like, man, what would have, how would that drive played out if, you know, makes a catch? And that's, a, it's a catch that Khalil Herbert will make 10 times out of 10 moving forward, but you just need to gain yards on those early downs. And Justin Fields said this yesterday in his press conference, they need to put together consistent drives. So, after again going back after that first interception from Fields, Bears had four four drives ending punts, and he, Fields was also saying that putting those drives together creates momentum. And you know, it really there was no momentum offensively for the Bears in that Green Bay Packers game. It was the first drive of the game, and then it was er, it was early in the fourth quarter where they had those two touchdowns, and that was it. So you got to put drives together, and if you can't do that, if you can't do that against Tampa Bay, like the score was you know 10 point game for the Packers like that's not going to be a 10 point game going going into Tampa Bay and what all the explosiveness they have on offense so they need to do those things you know and combine that with with the the differentiation of, of passing like Mason was saying and then you know you get maybe we'll get some some progress but against this Buccaneers defense Mason which you know, is a unit that we is very good against the run, has some banged up players in the secondary. What do you think the Bears should could end up trying to do? What would you try to exploit? So I would definitely be exploiting lean heavy on that run, not because you necessarily think it's going to be super successful, but because and I who is it? Uh, Brendan Staley did a great job of explaining yeah. like why, and I think we may have talked about this on the podcast, but if, if someone hadn't heard it before why you do the run game and it's because of the physicality right you make the defenders get off blocks you make the defenders have to be physical and when you do that right it sets the tone because now all of a sudden you can't just pin your ears back as a defense and attack the quarterback or the the receivers or anything like that you have to play a little softer in order and respect that physicality that you're creating so you have to do that you can't get away from it and then after that use that aggressiveness that they do have because you see that against the bears all the time, right? The bears get upfield so easily. And that's why like in the Packers game, they were able to dump the ball off on some screens. And that's why they're able to use some, some of the run plays that they did to get those yards. So using those screens and hitting those short passes, like we t- I talked about earlier, slant, slant to A-Rob, slant to Mooney, right? Uh, dealt some more double moves. I haven't seen, I don't feel like I haven't seen as much of that in the offense and get, completions roll that through right because build that confidence bang 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 attack deep because as of right now it's just a very slow and plotting feel like when it comes to this offense and the defense can just adjust very easily because they're not they're not sitting back on their heels they're ready to go so you really a little more up tempo would be nice too the bears have tried that at times sometimes successfully sometimes not but definitely would like to see that a bit more i i completely agree with that um some of the notes i have for what they could potentially do against this Buccaneers defense. I want the Bears to test these guys on, on the the islands, basically, these corners that they have. So Jamel Dean is um, a guy that in 
the Buccaneers Eagles game had a PI called on him. Should have had two. There was one in the in the end zone, which somehow did not get called. I have no idea how, but he also had a pass breakup and an interception. So you're seeing a little bit of both sides from Jamel Dean. So that's a corner that I think the Bears can definitely target. And then it was late in the game, Mason, too. Like the Buccaneers were up 28 to 7 on the Eagles, you know, in Philadelphia, but the Eagles made a, a little bit of a comeback there, attacked the middle of the field. An area that we just talked about is not where the Bears usually attack on, on those scene routes. So maybe this would be a good week to try it. Uh, Jalen Hurts connected with Devontae Smith over there. They actually started running the ball, too. And I don't know if that's just the Buccaneers. Hey, you're, you guys are down 28 to 7 with 547 left in, in the game or in the third quarter. You can run the ball, but it, it what it did get them back into the game. So maybe it's like you were saying earlier, Mason, committing to that run, you can get some chunk yardage um, against this Buccaneers defense every now and then. But then I went back and looked at the one loss that the Buccaneers have this season, a team the Bears already played against the Rams, 34-24 victory uh, in L.A. And what did the Rams do offensively? And this is something that I think maybe, potentially, probably not the Bears can try, but – it was utilizing some of those short passes that you were talking about, Mason. They did a really good job, the Rams, utilizing the screen passes. I know the Bears have not ran really a successful screen. I don't I don't remember the last one that was actually gained more than three yards. I know Darnell Mooney gained three and Darnell or it was Demir Bird and Cole Komet. They blocked the same guy. Mooney still ends up getting three yards, but they that was something that the Rams did and they were getting good chunk yards and were using Tyler Higby as the guy catching the passes. He actually scored a touchdown on one of those screen passes, but another thing, and it kind of goes to what you were saying, it's get creative in the red zone. They used Cooper cup in that game and he utilized some pick routes and Cooper cup was wide open. You don't have to be a good route runner to score on that play, but it was just the, the creativity that you would think you would like to see. Like, I don't remember, you mentioned like the double moves. When was the last time we saw the Allen Robinson pick play where he usually goes on and maybe hits, like maybe gets in front of the linebacker and whoever's in the slot goes outside. And that was Trey Burton that scored on that play. Taylor Gabriel, they used to, they used to be pretty effective when it timed up right. You can get back to that. People are still doing that. So it's little things like that. And if you can capitalize in the red zone, Hey, maybe we have a ball game, but those are, you know, you have to execute it perfectly. You have to have perfect timing, execution, not block the same guy on screen passes, all things that the Bears really haven't done consistently enough to say that they're going to be successful uh, against this Buccaneers team. But Mason, just to kind of boil things down here, I'm hitting my mic. Um, What, and this is, okay, how do the Bears put the perfect game plan together and I know we talked about running the ball and doing these things, but realistically, the Bears win this game offensively. How do they do it? Man, it, it really is going to have to be they find a way to to manufacture rush yards that aren't necessarily rush yards. I talked about that a little bit last week with Green Bay. You know, it doesn't always have to be like, hand this off to Khalil Herbert in this instance, more likely than not, right? It is a it's a smart wide receiver screen with the right blockers it's a justin fields rpo where you know where he accurately reads what the defensive end is doing and that's something that's interesting too if you look at the injury report there are some guys like you know jason pierre paul did not participate he's a big part of that pass rush and, and setting up that edge richard sermon we didn't talk about him he's not in there uh, levante david who's huge he, he didn't participate either so 
you're going to have some guys in there that aren't necessarily used to it. Like, can you take advantage of that, you know, with, with Justin being able to get some yards on the ground? Now, he doesn't necessarily run to run. He's not a Lamar Jackson type. He runs for the throw, more like the Russell Wilson type. But can he just be like, you know what, forget it. I'm going to get my five yards on the ground. Because he does some, does that sometimes too. Like, set up your deep throws. There's too often where he's like, I need deep, I need deep, I need deep. Take that five-yard rush. Take that five-yard rush over and over again and then get your deep throw. Like you have to be creative in that thought process. If they don't, if they just do a simple handoff, a simple outside zone, you're going to run into some trouble. It, I, yeah, it's easy. Like we're, we're saying this, Mason, and it sounds it makes sense to me, makes sense to you. And then when it comes game time, it's just a lot. I think a lot of those things just go right out the the window for some reason. And this is going to sound crazy. What I think realistically, if the Bears want to win this game, all right, just hear me out and. <laughs> Just hear me out here. And I know we talked about the emphasis of this rushing attack and how the Bears need to be able to run the ball. But I think if the Bears are going to somehow beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road and pull off a huge upset, I think Justin Fields needs to play. He just needs to pass the ball and pass it like frequently. Like this needs to be where this is a hurt. This Buccaneers secondary is hurt. You need to take advantage of that. You need to keep up with the Buccaneers. That's going to be. The whole, I think, primary goal of this game. They score over 30 points a game. And even in, you know, the closest game was against the the Patriots. And I, I think it was a 1917 game. The weather was a factor in that one. It's going back to, you know, New England. A bunch of, you know, different factors there. But Fields showed on the two touchdown drives that he can deliver. Eight of eight, 46 yards on a P.I. call. You had the 60 or 46 yards on the first drive. And then the P.I. call, 64 yards and a touchdown pass on the second drive. 110 total yards. That touchdown pass, the pass interference, and he also had 14 yards rushing uh, on the, the second drive. So Justin Fields, I think this if this is there's any chance for the Bears, he's got to have to deliver. And yes, you have a combination with with Khalil Herbert, but I think it's just all about trying to keep up with the Buccaneers. And I know that it sounds maybe a little contradictory to what was being said earlier, but I think that honestly is going to be the best way and maybe the only way the Bears can actually pull off this upset. Couldn't you see, like, I mean, it was 2022, and I don't even think necessarily that score was reflective truly of the game, but Jalen Hurts did stuff in that game. Like, I mean, like, it was it was a game. They could have potentially won that when, it all, when all said and done. And I would say Justin Fields is more skilled <laughs> than Jalen Hurts is. Like, I would take Justin Fields over Jalen Hurts any day of the week right now. Couldn't you see this being a game that he does take over all of a sudden, like we look back and be like, this was his coming out party. Like this is, this is the game that made me feel like, because I was, remember I was on the, the Buck AF podcast and they were like, for whatever reason, we just give up scramble yards to the quarterback up the middle. I don't get why we just do it. We just let the quarterback step up and they hit those middle passes all day long. Like, and I just, I just feel like this, like what you were saying, I don't know, this could be the game that he just, all right, this is it. Justin's here. He has arrived. You know, and that's so I'm glad you mentioned that because I was listening to a Buccaneers podcast, um, different different guys that were doing it. And they're like, why is the middle of the field always open? Why is that always happening? Like, hey, the Bears are not really attacking that portion of the field, but let this be the week. Let this be the week that they finally exploit that weakness that the Buccaneers do have. All right. Before we kind of we, we have to we have to t- tone this down a notch there, Mason. What is the biggest concern on offense, though? heading into this matchup is it a player specifically what what do the buccaneers bring defensively 
that is concerning. It, it is the ability to stop the run. I mean, they're, they're amazing at it, right? I think they're averaging 56 yards per, per, per rush attempts and or per, per game, excuse me. Um, so that's the biggest thing there. And then really on the, it's more of the bears side though. It's, it's the thing that stinks. Like when I look at this matchup and a lot of the matchups, it's the bears hurting themselves. It's the lack of separation from receivers. I talked about that last week on the podcast where Allen Robinson has ranked this year so far in terms of that separation. Um, it's when you look at the play design, which still is odd. It's just like, why Why do you have these two routes going in that area? Why do you have four hitches all at the same time? Like, that's something that I can draw up for my flag football teams I coach. Like, you're a professional head coach. There's got to be more to it than that. So it's really the scheme and then the odd really, the separation on the players. You can't throw it downfield if they're not open. Now you're just asking Justin to do Hail Marys. Uh, but yeah, if you I mean getting back to the Buccaneers themselves, it's stopping the run. It's the fact that I mean they do have they have some really talented people over there. You know, Dom Sue is on that side. Uh, just you know the personality stuff is the issue with him. Uh, you got Winfield as a safety. I mean he's coming back from concussion, so maybe he's going to be a little funky. But he's he's a great safety. Uh, you got a if Levante David plays, who knows? But I mean you got some linebackers that are fast, right? You know, so you got all that going on there. There's speed. There's a lot of speed on that defense, too. That's probably one of the bigger concerns I would have. No, that's definitely uh, just even watching what they were doing to Jalen Hurts at times. Like you saw Devin White. Like, I think he's a problem. He's a problem for for opposing offenses. Has some like you mentioned, that speed came on a blitz versus Hurts and he didn't know what to do. Uh, You know, it's a guy that has 41 total tackles on the season. So you got to watch out for him and account for him on every single play. But guys like. I think the big thing too, for people listening, like you got to watch the interior of this offensive line versus Vita Vea, because that man is like three men in one and has so much push and it is a problem. And look, Cody Whitehair, I think I was maybe a little more critical than look. He had a sequence of plays where it wasn't very good towards the end, but collectively as a game, maybe it was a little bit better, but Kenny Clark, he was a problem for that interior where on that last series, he, he beat, Cody Whitehair, then he goes and gets a sack by beating or a pressure by being James Daniels and splitting um Isaiah Wilkinson, Elijah Wilkinson. Gosh, and now I'm pulling Who the are you mad Maggie now? I know, I know, I don't I don't want to do that. But so that's gonna be like I'm looking at Vita Vea. If he's able to get that that penetration through the middle, yeah, man, that makes that makes life for Justin Fields all that much tougher to complete, you know, the, these downfield passes to even attempt these downfield passes. So yeah, we have to recognize that that unit, despite not having a lot of rush attempts against them, it's still got a lot of players that even if there were the attempts, like I think they're a good enough unit to really mitigate what, what offenses can do. So it's a tough task, you guys, and we're just being realistic about it, but maybe, you know, the bears look at this, this podcast and say, Hey, let's do all these things and check off all the 20 boxes. They need to check off. Then they can maybe be successful, but you know, easier said than done. So Mason, before we move on to the defensive discussion of this podcast, tell you about a new partnership that we have. If you're like me, going to the gym is a crucial part of my schedule. It's a place to let loose and just decompress. And after a great workout, it's important to give your body the the necessary amino acids it needs to repair and rebuild proteins. And that's why I drink Owen. That's right, Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein company, and all their products are plant-based, free of artificial ingredients, and are allergen-friendly. 
Plus, Owen uses high quality and carefully selected ingredients to make all of its products easily digestible, like their dark chocolate protein shake that has 20 grams of protein, my personal favorite. And I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who does follow a plant-based diet. Get 20% off your first purchase with the code TCA20 at liveowynowyn.com. That's 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. And remember to use the code TCA20. Join me and Justin Fields and all the Bears fans who have already purchased Owen and try it. It's only what you need. All right, Mason, let's talk about this Bears defense and what is might maybe the toughest task they will have all season. When, when you think about all the weapons, you think about the quarterback, like this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is stacked stacked everywhere you look at it like even the running backs now are are playing playing a lot better so everywhere you look at it and even when guys are injured it's like well they're still a problem he's still an issue it's oh they got it doesn't matter where you look so what is one area of this Buccaneers offense that will you think will give the Bears defense the most issue it's that wide receiver core uh now it might be okay because you know Rob Gronkowski didn't participate. Those broken ribs. Who knows if he's going to be back this week? Antonio Brown didn't participate. OJ Howard was a little limited, so they're they're banged up. But let's assume that they're healthy for the sake of this conversation. How do you guard Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, who by the way are probably starting in most of your fantasy lineups, Antonio <laughs> Brown, who is now starting in your fantasy lineup after he got his stuff together and back up back on the same page as Tom Brady. And if Gronk was playing, if OJ Howard, Cameron Brate would be a tight, like a tight end one option on some teams. Like, who do you guard? Like, who do you put Jalen Johnson on? You put him on Mike Evans. You got yeah. Chris Godwin who's going to be stre- streaking down the field. Or Antonio Brown, who is, you know, a deconditioned wide receiver one, basically. So it's it's really tough, like, to, to be able to do something like that. And, you know, like, you're, I'm not, I'm, I'm happy with Vildor so far. Or that's not even, like, the right mm-hmm. word. I'm. I'm okay with it. I'm content with what he's doing. He's not getting destroyed or anything like that. But, you know, how do you scheme to stop all that? Because the Bears already let the second, third wide receiver kind of run open with the way that they play their scheme. And that's why the middle of the field always seems like there's this this big gap in it. How do you, you can't do that, like with this setup? No. And if you give Tom Brady that opportunity where, there is a miscommunication. There is that window. He, he, he's seen, he's been playing far too long to where he's going to exploit it, hit, burn you for a big play. But I'm glad you mentioned these wide receivers and every single one of them, their top three guys, all are more than Darnell Mooney right now, who was the leading receiver for the Bears, 306 for Mooney. And that's not an indictment on, on Darnell Mooney because he's doing all that he could. Just there are these guys in this offense and they're just going off. Each one of those guys too, Mason, are 11 yards uh, all within 11 yards of each other. So you have Mike Evans for 420 yards, Tony Brown, 418 yards. And then Chris Godwin, 409 yards in insane numbers. And I, another thing, because you mentioned the wide receivers, I want to hit on something else. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers third down offense. So they're number three in the league in 40 with a 49.3 conversion percentage. And the bears right now are 18th in the league, giving up a 41.9 third down conversion rate. So you see the, the Buccaneers, once they get to third down, they're going more, more than likely going to convert, but it, that's especially true when the Bucks are in third 
and one. You think, oh, that's a gimme, third and one. That's the Bears offense. They know about that. When they have a third and one opportunity, the Buccaneers, they are nearly impossible to stop. NFL teams are converting, on average, a 74% clip and 70 when passing on third and one. The Bucs are 12 for 13 this season for a 92% conversion rate on third and one. And they show that they can pick up yards, but basically it shows they can pick up yards on the first and second down. And Tampa Bay's O-line is really winning at the line of scrimmage. So the Bucs were, were the NFL's best in third down, third and one team last year, converting 89%. So they're like, oh, you know, we won the Super Bowl. Let's, let's top that this year. And Fournette this, uh, this season through six games is six for six rushing the ball. Ronald Jones is three for three. So it doesn't matter necessarily who's the running back. It doesn't matter what how they're doing it. More than likely, the Buccaneers are converting on third downs, but especially on third and one. So if you're allowing this Buccaneers offense to stay on schedule, first and second down, again, third and one, just continue your notes, Mason, or for anybody who's looking, hey, the Bears are going to get off the field. No, they're not. No, they're not. So they can't let that happen, Mason, because they do. It's not going to end up being very well for this for this Bears defense. Okay, so that probably brought maybe the level of confidence in this Bears defense down. But what what were some things, Mason, even in that loss to the Packers that you liked? Was there anything that kind of stands out? I know, you know, it's a, a 24-14 to loss to Green Bay and, and, and Aaron Rodgers, but was there anything that was good? One thing I would call specifically is going to be Jalen Johnson and how he played Devontae Adams. I mean, going into the half – Adams only had two catches for 37 yards. That's pretty darn good for the leading reception and yardage receiver. I mean, even by the end of it, where, I mean, yes, if you look at that, the play where Devontae went up the sideline where Eddie had his tackle is, I'm going to say that with, you know, quotation marks. Um, Jalen Johnson got burned on the coverage. And that's what it seemed like that he was the one that was supposed to be in coverage there. Eddie was just the safety valve as a safety is supposed to be. The thing that hurt a little is you kind of see Jalen Johnson jogging on that play, right? He did. He wasn't like, oh, I got burned. Let me get back and and finish this playoff. And that's something that you've seen the the rest of the defense get allotted for was, you know, Robert Quinn hunting down plays 10, 20 yards downfield. Khalil Mack doing the same thing. Rokon Smith, you don't allot him for that because that's just literally what he does all the time. Mm-hmm. So that was a little concerning. But other than that, Jalen Johnson played very well in that regard. Uh, for the most part, the secondary as a whole did these. De- I mean, you were it was 10 to 7 at halftime against the Green Bay Packers, who you know only had one loss on the year, so that was that was much better. The pass rush is still amazing. I mean, you look at the pass rush and it's still dominant. I mean, Khalil Max got a sack in every game since, but besides the first game against the Rams, uh, Robert Quinn. We'll see what happens with him in the whole COVID situation, but you know, if he can't mm-hmm. play, that's a big loss. If he can't play, still probably the best one-two punch that in the league right now in terms of edge rusher i had no idea i'd be saying that at the beginning of the year especially (laughs) in that robert quinn situation but there are still things to laud with this team no yeah and i agree with you i I had that down the three sacks on rogers you had akeem hicks in in that situation he did not practice today so definitely have to monitor that and see how you know that plays out for for later in the week but they also kept the packers at two of eight on third downs Yes, there were several play, plays throughout, like you know, the game where the Packers didn't need to get the third down. They kind of converted on second and tens, which was a little frustrating to see from the Spurs defense. There were some big plays that were given up, but two of eight, like you, you build off of that, and 
you hopefully don't allow them to pick up those first downs on, you know, second and tens like they were kind of doing. But yeah, so I think those were the positives and they need to be even better to be completely. They need to be even better this week against Tampa Bay and all the guys that we just mentioned earlier. So the key, what Mason, we're going to talk about these keys to success on defense. And like you said, there's a lot that probably needs to go on. But when I look at the Bucks' only loss of the season, that 34-24 loss to the Rams in week three, Brady threw the ball 55 times. But 35 of those passes were all within 10 yards. And what the Rams are doing, yes, it was still a, you know, they still scored 24 points. Brady only connected on two passes that were above 20 yards. And the Rams, so the Rams really limited the big plays downfield. And on the short passes, those 34, 35 passes that were within 10 yards, the Rams did a good job of just limiting yards after the catch, made plays on screens. Like, you're going to see a lot of screens run in this game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of the best teams at actually utilizing the screen game, picking up positive yardage. So Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor, Whoever's the outside linebackers, they need to be ready to come up and make those plays, avoid blocks, fight through block, whatever you need to do. Like that's going to be something that is going to be used frequently in this game. So, but the Rams, they did a good job of mitigating that damage. So you need to apply that for, for this game. If you want any chance and yes, they can still hit you on the seam routes and go a little bit more vertical than the 10 yards. But what they were doing against those, the Eagles just last week too, they were, they're burning them on times with those timely, perfectly executed screenplays. So the Bears can't handle that. It's going to be a really long day. But what's a key for you, Mason, for this defense to have success against the Buccaneers? I'm glad you brought up the the screen game. That was something I was going to hit on as well. I mean, Leonard Fournette has 25 receptions on the year yeah. already. Compare that to, I mean, what I can't imagine right now what Dave Montgomery and Cole Herbert have combined. It's not 25. I can tell you that. Um, so that that's that's going to be huge. Um, Cliff talked about it in the chat. We've talked about it. It's, it's the pressure, you know, yep. while Brady seems to continuously bathe in the fountain of youth, he is still <laughs> in his forties. Like he still can't move as well as he used to. And how he used to also wasn't that good. I mean, he's never been the most mobile quarterbacks. So you have to be able to get good pressure on him and the kind of pressure that Sean decides to be able to do all year, which is the creative pressure that you can only have to rush for. Cause if you have to bring more than that five, six players to put pressure on Brady, now all of a sudden, pretty obvious you have less people in coverage and where you talked about they have so many weapons right and you can only and right now the communication's been suspect on the, the Bears secondary so you don't want to have to pass off too many things right you want to have as many players out there as possible so generating that pressure get in his face make him get the ball out quick I mean he's one of the best at that getting the ball out quick right we've seen that year in yeah. and year out so you have to do it even more so than some of these other guys uh last week we saw Aaron Rodgers able to use his legs whether it's you're talking about the rushing touchdown or you're talking about just extending plays, Brady shouldn't be able to do that. If you let Brady do that, the game's already over. Yeah, if Brady's able to extend play, he did have a nice one against the Eagles where he hit Antonio Brown that kind of put the icing on the cake. But if he's, you know, he's extending the pockets, like, all right, just that's going to be, yeah, it for, for this Bears defense. If he get, goes back to that fountain of youth and, you know, even finds an, an attribute that he's never really good at, that's, that's too much to ask for. So, Mason, let's let's talk about our X factors then. And we'll we'll go back to the offense. What is one X factor for this game? And I, I always like to keep these very random, but what what is your your X factor on offense? 
my expector on offense, I was I was kind of battling this as I thought about it throughout the day. But at the end of the day, this has to be a I think this has to be an Al Robinson Renaissance game. This has to be a oh wait, he yeah, he is a wide receiver one conversation. Like shit, oh man, do we resign this guy? That that has to be the conversation after this game. And it doesn't necessarily have to be touchdowns, but it has to be when it's third and six, who are you looking at? You it has the answer should be Al Robinson, right? That that's that's what you knew at the end of the game. At the end of the game, when you needed a first down, you went to your go to A Rob. So that connects to really what my X factor is: scheming and creating separation to be able to do that. Does he with his feet? Can he do that? Or is it the way that Bill Lazor and Matt Nagy create the play call that you know to be able to get him open, just to simply get him the ball? It would be nice. It really would be nice for Allen Robinson to have that game because we're still all waiting for it. We really are. And I was, you know, I was watching last year's Bucks and Bears game, and there's Allen Robinson making plays. There's another Allen Robinson. It's like it, he just hasn't had the opportunity. He just hasn't capitalized on him. So it would be great to see that. My X factor in offense, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, is the number of empty possessions that the Bears, I think, will have this game where – like I said earlier, Fields said if the Bears need to need to put together consistent drives, that creates momentum. If the offense is going to come up empty, and they they at least need to move the ball downfield, so at least you can swap field position. But you just can't have a, a you know those empty drives, no points, barely any yardage gain stacked. Because if you do that, the longer you do that, the the more this game's going to get away from you. Like we saw that in the Packers game. Like I said, after that interception, four straight punts, the Packers scored on every single drive but one in that time span. So the X factor is how many empty possessions will the Bears have this game? You limit those. Maybe we're talking about a game, you guys. Maybe we're talking about a game that the defense steps up. But if if it's a lot what we've seen already through six games, through, yeah, through six games, it's like then, then you're really putting yourself in a hole. So let's let's kind of swap here and go X factor on defense and I'll kind of start this off Mason. It's going to be tackling. <laughs> the X factor on defense is a simple simple concept called tackling. You have Chris Godwin who's 10th in the league in yards after catch with 224. Leonard Fournette who look, I know earlier I think it was a week 1 I'm like Leonard you can't trust Leonard Fournette to catch the ball. Literally, I think the next drive he has a huge catch. I'm like, oh, that's definitely going to – some Bucks Buccaneers fans are definitely going to get me for that one. But he looks good. He looks good as a runner. He looks good as a pass catcher, which that was never really a part of his game. But now it is. He's 12th in the league in yards after catch with 216. And you also have this guy, Antonio Brown, 170 yards after a catch. So you need to be able to tackle. And I'm just – it's going to be sad to say, but I'm already expecting one of these Bears safeties to miss a tackle in this game. Like, just put it down, uh, I, you know, the advanced stats, missed tackle from Deshaun Gibson or Eddie Jackson. Because Deshaun Gibson had, you know, some in that Green Bay Packers game. There was the Aaron Jones run where he has his legs at the five-yard line, breaks through that tackle and gets to the one and the Packers score and the little shovel pass to Lazard on the next play. It's like, it's not like Eddie Jackson, I think, gets more of the, the criticism because of who he is. But, man, Deshaun Gibson's a veteran. He's missing tackles. And... If that, like I said, I'm just expecting that to kind of happen. So X factor, missed tackles. If they the Bears don't have what they've been showing lately, then again, maybe that helps them defensively. It doesn't mean they're going to be that much more successful, but it's going to be the missed tackles. What about you, Mason? 
I'm going to go back to something that you talked about, Nick, which, and it's going to be a slight double dip here, that third down conversion percentage. Because yeah. like you said, right, Tampa Bay is at third with, you know, 49%. The Bears are allowing a good amount. They're at 18th at 41%. So you need those numbers to start to shift a little bit. But because they're so good at it and the Bears are right in the lower end of the middle, I'm going to go with more the turnovers because yeah. you're not going to stop them that often on third down. So therefore you need to take advantage of times, right. And get the ball from them. Right. When you have a, a lame duck pass where Aaron Rodgers thinks, okay, I'm just going to try to kind of check this up, throw it away. And you need your safety to be able to make a, maybe a little more effort and be able to get to that ball and pick that off. Right. You need to be able to, you know, punt, you get, bring it back to peanut punch. Of, you know, where's that? Where's that? I, I haven't seen one of those from a Bears player in a, in a long time. So you got to turn Tom Brady over. You got to turn over some of these veteran players that sometimes hold the ball a little loose. If you can play honest, if you watch them, how they run their their routes and what they can do with the ball, what they do with the ball afterwards. I, I, I completely agree. Like in that game against the first match of last year, where you had the big hit by Kyle Fuller. Right. And I think that forced a fumble. And then I don't, I don't did they intercept Brady in that first game? I don't think they did. He just he got confused with the four downs. And we'll probably talk about what um if if Tom Brady's putting up four fingers, it's probably gonna be for four touchdowns this man throws, but it, it's definitely gonna be something. <laughs> he's um, pushing for those touchdowns. I'm telling you, as he's gonna be doing everything he can to get the four and just be like, huh? what, did I just Yeah, do yeah, he's gonna he's gonna know exactly where the camera's at and like do the exact same thing. That would be Hilarious, but expected. It's Tom Brady. Anything that he can use to fuel him, he um he'll he'll kind of do that. All right, Mason. Let's go into our pivotal matchup, our backbreaker. Um, we didn't coordinate who has what, but I did both just in case. Is there a preference? Do you have a backbreaker on offense or defense? Or well, since our notes say that I do defense on the odd weeks, I did defense. <laughs> Okay, so let's start there because uh, I did both and I, I just had no idea. So you can do the backbreaker on defense. So my backbreaking matchup, I feel like a broken record, but it still is the same thing, unfortunately. For me, it's going to be slot versus whoever happens to be in the slot. I mean, in this case, if he's healthy, if he's playing Antonio Brown, who, you know, he just kind of has done that his whole career anyway, just because due to his size, his speed, everything like that. And the Bears can't f- seem to figure out what they're doing there. And it's always we show up like in the press box and we're looking in the first play of the game, right? And we're like, Xavier, Xavier Crawford, what are you doing in the slot? Like Duke Shelley, we thought was kind of finding his path a little bit. And you know, you go back, you had a different player in the first game and it's now, and there's just shifting pieces that they don't, it's like they're throwing stuff from the wall and seeing what sticks. Xavier <laughs> Crawford didn't play poorly, but he also didn't play very well either. And I mean, maybe that's kind of what you just, hope for out of your slot corner i mean maybe this we're just looking at it a little too specifically as bearish fans and we're throwing our hands like this is terrible but as of right now it's it's been a problem it's it hasn't been a strength at least and you can't have that when you have this many weapons on the other team exactly and you know they they do throw chris godwin in that slot too so whether it's xavier crawford or duke Shelley, and i don't think there's been an explanation on that yet as to why crawford got the nod over shelly um I won't be at House Hall tomorrow, so I wouldn't be able to ask that question to anybody. But it is it is something that I am thinking about. So I'll give my backbreaker on offense. And really, I think, Mason, it's going to be Shaq Barrett versus the tackles. Because right now, like in that Eagles game, he was lining up on the left side, right side. They kind of like switch him around. Pro football focus has him lined up 209 times as the left outside linebacker and 94 times at the right outside linebacker. So 
he does primarily line up on the left side, but in that game against the Eagles, I saw him, hey, the left tackle, you're going to give him problem. Right tackle, you're going to give him problem. Oh, well, you know, Jason Peters has been playing well, but Wilkinson on the other side against a guy like Shaq Bear, who leads their team with four, four and a half sacks right now, that's a matchup you got to watch. And we talked about it. Vita Vea's getting pressure up the middle. And doesn't have to be consistent, but every now and then, and you got to worry about Barrett. Like, that, again, just equates to a lot of issues that this Bears offense can have. And they already have enough just running their own offense. So you don't need to give the, the opposing team causing any more issues. But that's something that you got to watch out for on both sides. But Mason, I'm I'm gonna throw it over to you. Actually, do we're we decided we're gonna put in the the, the segment? Let's do it. The... We can do it. We can do it now. Yeah, let's do it now. Okay. So one of the things that was kind of floating around the Bears Twitter sphere this week was if you just, if you took a Bears player, any player on their team, and stuck it into the on the Buccaneers, would they be a starter? And that just got me thinking, like, yeah, like you know, who would you take in certain matchups? So what I'm calling this is bear down or buck up. So I'm going to give you a Bears player and a Buccaneers player. Take injury status out of it right now. We're not we're not looking at that. Just look at the player as is. And just off the top of your head, who would you take to be on your team? Oh man, I I like <laughs> I I want to say I just want to say Tom Brady. I really really do. <laughs> All right, I'm because... going to give you the matchups. All right, hold on. Okay. All right. So I got a couple on offense. We'll take a pause, and I got a couple on defense. All right. All right off let's the top do of your head, Allen Robinson or Mike Evans. Give give me Allen Robinson. I'll take Allen Robinson with that. Um, Darnell Mooney or Chris Godwin? I'll take Chris Godwin. Leonard Fournette or Dave Montgomery? Give me Dave Montgomery. Ronald Jones or Khalil Herbert? Oh, Khalil Herbert. Robert Gronkowski or Cole Komet? See, at this stage of his career, Robert Gronkowski, <laughs> Cole Komet. Uh, give me Gronk. OJ Howard or Cole Komet? Oh, uh, <laughs> give me OJ Howard. <laughs> Sam Mustafer or Ryan Jensen? Oh, give me Ryan Jensen. Tristan Wirfs or Tevin Jenkins? Oh, I, Tristan Wirfs, Iowa guy. I'm going Tristan Wirfs. Justin Fields or Tom Brady? You guys are going to hate me for this. Uh, <laughs> uh, wow, I don't know how to answer this one. Uh, give me the goat. All right, that goat. was our Wait, offense. No. Let's look. Let's look. Maybe let's, is there any that you want to take back like right let's look back at what you said reflect before we go to defense is there any that you're like ooh, i shouldn't have said that uh probably all of them when i think about it but <laughs> um i i know look shadow's giving me giving me slack here i know i know i should have said just i'll just say justin fields i'll go back on it sorry sorry <laughs> that didn't have a, i'm gonna edit this all out no i'm just kidding <laughs> no, but, no, exactly. I'll go justin fields. all right let's flip it defense okay again we're not taking injury and concern or anything like that akeem hicks or vita I, this game is tough. Um, give me Akeem Hicks. Antoine Winfield or Eddie Jackson? Oh, God. I have to go Antoine Winfield right now. Levante David or Roquan Smith? Give me Roquan. Richard Sherman or Kendall Vildor? These are tough. These are really tough. Um, I, I have a connection to Kendall Vildor, so I'm going Kendall Vildor. Oh, God. Robert Quinn or Shaquille Barrett? You can't argue with Robert Quinn, how he's playing. I'll go Quinn. Devin White or Alec Ogletree? I'll take White. Okay. And then Alec Ogletree or Danny Trevathan? 
Oh, <laughs> that, I like this one. Uh, I'll go Alec Ogletree. <laughs> Man, that was that was good, and that was tough, and I probably look like an idiot, but that was that was awesome. <laughs> so thank you. And it's it's funny because I started really thinking about it. I'm like, there are pieces that I like on this because I was like, oh, the offense is terrible. I don't want anything to do with it. Our defense is better. But when you like think about some of these comparisons, like there are some that are obvious, and there's some that are like, man, I actually do like this piece. I just think that's not being used right. No, I, yeah, com- completely. Uh, Mason, we are so, you know, once Will gets back, we are adding this. That, that <laughs> needs to be a second. Look, I mean, Cliff, that was fun. I mean, and people are answering it. So, yeah, if when you're replaying or watching this episode, go answer those questions and see what you think because they're not easy. Um, they're definitely not easy, but that was a really fun segment. Um, and, yeah, it, get, it does get you thinking because some of those are like, well, Tom Brady's, you know, nearly 50. Justin Fields is just starting, but man, I, I you know, I really like Tom Brady. But yes, uh, Shadow, this is definitely going to be an addition. Sweet. So I can't wait until, you know, Will, if he does watch or listen, he needs to watch that segment and see I how bad the I new did. name. I was, it just worked out perfectly for the bear down. Bear, buck up. Yeah, I got to figure out a new one for the other part. That, that'll be the, the next challenge there. Um, so now we're going to go to a, a staple in the show, uh, who has the edge and this is, you know, this could get, this could get ugly here, Mason. All right. Uh, we're just going to start bears rushing offense versus the Buccaneers rushing defense. Mason, I'm throwing that one over to you. All right. It's, I'm going to have to go with the Buccaneers rushing defense. Like I want to say the rushing offense, but I mean, they've just been so stout in what they've been able to do uh they haven't necessarily gone against the best rushers or running backs right now um like you said earlier in the show like the other teams kind of get away from the run anyway but that's part of my problem is i feel like the bears are gonna gonna get away from the run anyway like i can see matt nagy sitting there on the sideline looking up at the box screaming at a laser like throw the ball like this isn't working just throw it like you know (laughs) just like taking over so yeah i gotta give it to the rush defense uh, yep, I had the the same thing on my side here. So I'll take Bears passing offense versus the Buccaneers passing defense. And look, we we highlighted the Buccaneers are going through some injuries right now uh, on their secondary, but can they actually pass to stay in this game and actually exploit those those guys that are missing? They didn't do it against Green Bay, really. And you know, this is another defense that has a bunch of players that we just mentioned. So I am go- also going with the Buccaneers on this one. They have the edge over the Bears passing offense. All right, Mason, we have the Bears run defense versus Tampa Bay's run offense. This one I'll give to the Bears. Um, okay. When when you heard what LaFleur said after the game, you know, first of all, he talked about how the, the, the Bears defense is phenomenal and a lot of teams, Bruce Arian said that this week as well. And LaFleur specifically, though, talked about how they were trying to run a lot of like zone reads and running to the outside, but they had to switch it up and just go straight at the deep bears defense because the bears defense was basically getting too much, you know, penetration and they were running right past the lanes. And then therefore Aaron Jones and, and uh, Dylan were able to find some of those lanes. And I think they ended up with like 150 ish rushing yards, which was actually more than the bears had. So, but I, I just don't think Fournette is as good as, as an, as a Jones, right? I don't think that, Ronald Jones is as good as even an AJ Dillon. They're just not that high on my list. Yeah. I think they're products of a good system as a whole. And 
I think that Sean Desai is going to see what happened in that Packers game, like, you know, how the Packers adjusted. And because basically Sean Desai, I mean, he's a rookie like Justin Fields is. He's learning every time he goes out there too. So I think every week he's going to get better as well. Uh, they're going to probably just take away something. Hey, let's take away that rushing attack. Let's take away that screen game and just have Tom Brady beat us through the air. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give it to the Bears, actually. Okay, so we have two for the Bucks, one for the Bears, and I am the decider to see what happens here. Bears passing defense versus the Buccaneers passing offense, and we are going Tampa Bay. I don't even care who's not – who maybe who ends, who ends up not playing in this game. What they've been doing offensively and through the air and Tom Brady, they are lighting teams up. So unless you – you know, you're you're the Rams who have actually and look, they even stopped. They threw 55 times. I think Brady threw for over 400 yards. He only had one passing touchdown, but that was the only loss they had this season. I don't I don't see the Bears doing that. So, given this one also to the Buccaneers, so we have a three to one. Not not necessarily a sweep, but you know the Buccaneers and they should be. They they have a yeah. they have a stack football team. They have a stack football team. So they returned like a, their entire team from last year. I mean, that's usually what gets a lot of the Super Bowl not Super Bowl teams, but also like the losing team from the Super Bowl is the attrition. Like you just lose players because yeah. of money, because of, you know, age, all that stuff. But they brought everybody back. That's and that's unheard of, too. That's obviously 22 starters that you're bringing back offense, defense like that. That doesn't happen. And of course it does with the Buccaneers. And when you have that happen and now it's the second year they're in Bruce Arian system, Tom Brady is. No wonder they're putting up the numbers and scoring over 30 points a game and all the receivers have more yards than, you know, Darnell Mooney right now for the Bears. And that, again, not not a, a slight at Darnell Mooney, but that's just nuts. All right, Mason, you're um, I believe you have our over and unders for this week. So let's kick it off and start there. I do. All right. So first over under uh, Justin Fields, 212.5 total yards. Total yards. Ooh, that one's interesting. I will go. I'll go over that. Not by much, but I will go over the 212. Where are you at with that, too? Um, I'm going under that because every single time I've taken the over <laughs> on my parlays, that is the one that ruins it. Like I've literally been mm. four for five on my last three parlays, and it's because of the Justin Field total yards. So I'm going under. <laughs> good, good decision there. All right. We got Tom Brady, 302.5 passing yards over under. Oh, I'm going over. I'm going over the 302. Tom Brady is um, I think there's a little extra something there. Uh, just because of what happened last year. And he's just he's just gonna see Nick Foles and fire is gonna burn out of his eyes. He's just gonna throw a touchdown. He's gonna look at him like you and just you know throw a touchdown. But I'll go over. See, I'm thinking the opposite. They're gonna actually have Nick Foles be the backup just so he's there and he can be the first <laughs> for Brady. There you um, go. <laughs> but I'm going to have to go over. I mean, his last four games, it was, he has had 432, 269, 411, and 297. So all, almost there. Passing yards. And like we talked about, I think there's going to be that motivation. He's going to want to put up the four touchdowns. Yeah, I would go, I'd go over with that as well. You know, too, and with, with the Eagles game, too, if they really wanted to score more points at the end, they already had the game one. Like, they yeah. didn't score 30 points, but they could have. They could have kicked the field goal. They were in territory. They could have, and they probably wanted to go for a touchdown. So, yeah, just wanted to point that out there as well. All right, I got a couple. I got, well, I got three more here. All right, so over under seventy rushing yards for Quill Herbert. Man, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense—it's—it's it's going to be tough to get to seven. And like, they might just abandon the run because they're being outscored. So I'll go under. 
Yeah, so I got this number because Buccaneers are giving uh, averaging 54.8 yards per game. Herbert is averaging 86. I took those two numbers and I averaged those ones together. Um, I I would have to go with probably – I'm going to go with the over on that. I just – for some reason, there's a part of me that thinks they're going to just stick with that run this time. They're going to be like, no, we're, we're going to be stubborn and establish it and then get a little creative with it too. I, they're going to bust out a wildcat that will actually work for 10 yards or something. Ooh. I like it. All right. Over under 20 first downs for the bears. 20. I mean, just putting that in double, you could have said 10. I would have thought that was a lot. It's like, uh, I'm going under 20. I think they'll reach maybe the 15 mark. Um, Yeah. It's just, we haven't seen them consistently put those drives together. That's some fields wants to do, but I don't know if this is the week that that necessarily happens. And for context, they've had 20, 19, and 21 in the last three okay. games. So they're there, they're there if not over it, um, but this is a different team. You know, I would say the same. I don't think it's made by a lot. Maybe like 17, 18 was what I was thinking. Um, and they're probably going to be down, have to be, I think, chucking the ball. So you're going to maybe have less first down opportunities mm-hmm. than if you were just simply marching down the field. So I would say under on that as well. All right. Over under one and a half sacks for Khalil Mack. Man, uh, I'm going over for Khalil Mack. Uh, I think this is a game where he needs to step up. If there's any chance for this defense to really rattle Brady, and ra- actually, I shouldn't say rattle Brady. You don't ever rattle Brady, but you can get him off for maybe a play. Like Khalil Mack needs to be a part of that. So I'll go over and say that he gets a. Uh, I'll save the number for later, actually, for another segment. <laughs> All right. Um, I had over as well on this one. I mean, he's had at least one sack in the last five games, two and in, in a couple of them. And then last year, he, I mean, it's a different year, but he had that meme of just tossing Tristan Wirfs, you know, which is just, was beautiful to see. Uh, there's going to be, obviously, there's going to be a lot on his his end too. There's going to be a lot of motivation from him. I think he knows he's going to take have to take a lot on his shoulders in this kind of a game in order to get after Brady. And I think he's going to be salivating a little bit, knowing that he, doesn't have an Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> someone who can move as quick uh, as, as he did last game. All right. Last one. I got one and a half total touchdowns for Antonio Brown, man. Like this, he's been on a roll lately and he, there's no shot signs of like slowing down at any point. And it's like, who's Jalen Johnson covering? Like, mm-hmm. who, and then who's the opposite corner that is tasked with, you know, getting Antonio Brown, he can easily have over over the the one and a half. So I'll go over. I thought the same thing. I'm like maybe Jalen Johnson's gonna be shadowing uh, Evans. So now all of a sudden you're having your slot or you're having build or no no offense to either of those players, but covering Antonio Brown that's that's a mismatch any day of the week. Uh, like you said, he's had this. He's been crushing it. He had one last week, two the week before. Uh, I I'm also would say the over. Yeah, and you know Cliff mentions a good point. Like if he'll be healthy, like even if he's not like they could scheme things up really simply like in the red zone. So it doesn't have to be those explosive plays, but hey, he's a dynamic player and, and a part of a group that just makes plays for those wide receivers. All right, Mason, we're going to bold predictions. What do you got for this week? I know you always have two and you're always, you're always, I think exceeding the expectations, but what do you got for bold predictions? Yeah. Bold. I went bold. Uh, this connects to one of my uh, the over-unders. So I have Herbert goes off on the Buccaneers, and they allow their first 100-yard rusher of the season. Ooh, Mainly I because like I it. bought two shirts of Herbert's from his shop. Go Isn't sponsored on this show, but hey, Herbert, I know you watch this. I don't think you actually watch it, but if someone you know watches this, hey, come, and, <laughs> come and hook me up with some shirts and let's hang out. 
Nice. I like it. Um, you got two shirts. Okay. I, I do. I got, a, I got two shirts. There was one that was a, it had juice and it was dripping and it looked kind of cool. And then um, that's, yeah, I can't remember the other, the other one was super cool too. Um, but my defensive one bears pick off Tom Brady twice, man, I, man, he did have an interception in the Eagles game. Should have been picked off twice. Maybe this is the week that it finally happens. All right. Well, mine are maybe bold, maybe not so bold considering how these two players are playing right now, but I have Mac and Quinn each getting two sacks and Ooh. just leading, uh, continuing to lead the NFL in, in that sack production, but just being the most dynamic to, you know, two punch there at the edge rushers in the NFL. And they get, get to Tom Brady twice, both of them in this, in this game. So that's what I got for a bold prediction. And now Mason, who's your, who's your MVP of this game? So We're not doing not so know. bold. Oh, that's right. I didn't do one, but you can do one. So <laughs> Here, you, can, so you can borrow one of mine. Uh, okay. Yes. I, got, I got two. So I got Justin throws for a touchdown and rushes for a touchdown. Uh, I'm thinking that's not so bold just because I think they almost have to, uh, right. I, yeah. I just think the Buccaneers are going to be scoring and you're going to get to the point where he's getting, he's now kind of broken the seal and getting the passing touchdown. You get, you're inside maybe the red zone and he's like, forget this. I'm taking over myself. Uh, so I don't think that's necessarily the boldest thing in the world at this point in time. Uh, my defensive one, actually, it's pretty similar to yours, uh, but just a little less. Bears get three sacks with one of them coming from Travis Gibson. I think that's, you know, you know what? I'm putting this bold prediction just assuming that Robert Quinn plays this game, which is yeah. on me, not maybe the smartest thing to do. But, yeah, Travis Gibson, I think, will have opportunity. Regardless, he should be getting more opportunities. I didn't think he played enough even in the Green Bay game, and I think he's – Something that really can be in the mix to get more snaps. Every time he's out there, it seems like something good happens. So I, I like that. Um, now we can predict the MVB. Uh, I'll start this off. I think, you know, when it's all said and done, even though the Buccaneers have so many weapons, Jalen Johnson has been a guy that has shown that, hey, look, I'm going to go up against the toughest guy. I'm going to go up against Devontae Adams and see what I can do for an entire game. And he, Devontae Adams the week before had over – 200 yards against the Bengals. And then he comes to Chicago and he does have some big plays, but it wasn't nearly the production that he had a week prior. So I think that the MVB will be Jalen Johnson, whoever he shadows. I think Johnson's just up for the challenge. What about you, Mason? It's funny. I have Jalen Johnson too. I just was thinking there's just something about maybe the week. He just feels like he's got to do a little bit more this week or, or you can think of it the other way where it's like, forget you guys. I don't care that I was late you know, take your 20 grand and shove it somewhere or something like that. And he steps up. Uh, I think Brady, while a very intelligent guy, obviously, and he's going to attack his matchups and knowing that Johnson is the strongest, there's just also something about him that might be like, no, I'm going to prove to this young gun that I'm, I'm going to go where I want to go kind of a thing. So he, there might be a ball that's forced. Um, it may be a ball that gets like tipped up. And I think Jail Johnson right now has shown the, that ability to, to really be tight right i mean the one pick he had this year i mean that was he re he ran the route for the receiver essentially yeah. so i can see him uh really stepping up this game all right Jalen johnson bear ball out we're all in you know in sync here with him being the mvb but i think he, he will he's up for the challenge like we were saying all right mason um this is the game pick i think seeing how this discussion has gone it's pretty obvious who we're picking uh i just i look i don't have the cool graphics as you can see like <laughs> will usually does <laughs> Yeah, like it's happening right now. No, it's not. But um, I don't even know what what I am right now. I know I'm on top. I picked I picked the Packers last week, so that put me on top here. So with that, I think Will did give us his pick, and I, I don't know if I can do a drum roll on here. 
Nick, I was wrong last week. I can admit it. Oh, okay. Uh, no problem, Johnson. Um, it is Will is taking he's taking the Buccaneers, you guys, 24 to 14. Not a big surprise considering what we just talked about in this game. It's gonna take a lot for the Bears to to really win this. So, Mason, who do you got winning and what's the score? I also have the Buccaneers winning, unfortunately, 27 to 19. Uh, I just the Bears, they're averaging 16 points a game. They can't break that 20 point mark. Uh, we talked about the Tom Brady motivation. I mean, he doesn't need that bulletin board material, but he'll find it whenever he can. Uh, when you looked at last year's victory, you know, it was weird. It was, a, I believe, a Thursday night game. So that's always a weird thing. Uh, you had, while I don't think Nick Foles is that good, I mean, you had a veteran quarterback in there that knew how to how to run an, an offense relatively efficiently. That was also in the beginning when there was, I think, maybe more belief in him. The, the game plan was just better for Nick Foles at the time. So you can't say like, oh, let's look at last year. They won by one point. Like it's different. And the Buccaneers have talked about how that game was a catalyst for them, right? That the losing to the Bears really helped them get to where they got to for the Super Bowl. They changed. They were a different team in the playoffs and the Bears were a part of that. And you don't think the rest of the team thinking about that too. You know, I can guarantee Mike Evans is thinking about that. I can guarantee Levante David and Dominican Sue and all those players are thinking about that. So I just think they're going to be out for blood. And it's going to be really hard when you have a team that's still finding who they really are in the Bears. And when you have an offense that says, I don't want to say broken, because it's not like it's broken. It never even was made, really. It's still, it's still, <laughs> it's still in the box somewhere. It was never, it's an Ikea desk that they couldn't figure out how to put it together because they only had the Swedish instructions and no one knows what they're doing. Yeah, even if they had any instruction, it wouldn't help them with what they got going on right now. But like you, like, Will, like a lot of people probably in this chat, I do have the Buccaneers winning. I have it a 27 to 17 game. Guys, like it's going to – the the Bears have to keep up scoring-wise. And at this point in time, with the personnel the Bears have, where Justin Fields at, with the game planning, just all these different factors, the Bears are not quite there. They're not there. And it's, it's hard to ask to be in the same realm with a team that realistically, realistically could be playing in the Super Bowl again given how they're, how they're playing, how this team is constructed, and knowing that they've been in some tough ball. Like, they're getting their best. They're getting the best from every single team because they're Super Bowl champions, right? So they're going and seeing, like, even those tough games against the, the Patriots, you know, even the 28-22 to 22 victory against the Eagles. They're getting the best from every team. They're going to get the best from the Bears. Hopefully, that would be nice to see. But given just what they got, what the Bears have currently at this point, you got to go with the Buccaneers. So... Clean sweep, Buccaneers are winning, and again, it shouldn't be a surprise. But what's the the confidence meter, or lack of confidence, Mason, for for your pick, and you know what we kind of anticipate happening in this one? Let me make sure I phrase this correctly. I the confidence I have that the Buccaneers will win this game is an eight out of ten. Like I, it is. There's the Bears defense is keeping them in games, but even with that they're really ranked in the, the middle of a lot of things. They have a couple of really good ones, right? Like their red zone percentage, 45% is third in the league. Uh, their sacks per pass attempts, we know is 11.48%, which is first in the league. But then a lot of the other things, you know, yards per carries at 13th, yards per passes at 19th. Uh, you have on third down percentages, 18th. Just a lot of other things are just right in the middle of the road. So it's not the 2018 team that is taking over games and winning it for you. So with this, when you have just such a high octane offense 
and you don't have an offense to match that. And we've seen nothing that would make me think that there'd be any difference with that. How could you possibly think it'd be any different? Now, if you ask me against the spread, I mean, that, that spread's like 12, that's insane. But just straight yeah. up, no. Like, but, so how could you say any different? The Buccaneers should win this easily. They should. And if the Bears can do okay, I'm not even going to go there. But on my confidence mirror that the Buccaneers will win, the exact same phrasing that you use, Mason, I'm at 8.8. Like, the Bucs are a good team, you guys. And we explained all the reasons why. So let's kind of wrap this up here, Mason, our final thoughts of the show. Yeah, is there anything really that we haven't said that we should get out into the open, into the podcast waves about this Bears and, you know, Bucks game? Two things. One, one thing we didn't mention, Jakeem Grant still didn't uh, practice today either, which now it's interesting. Like, now you just lose a face of that game. Like, I was loving what he was doing, his aggressiveness, his pop, his speed. But, you know, when you had, like, I think his Arcavis Pierce returning kicks, it, it was just like, there's nothing really going on there. That's just important to make sure you have. But number two, remember what this season is about, right? So if we see Justin Fields not make some of the mistakes he made last game, whether it was due to rookie stuff, whether it was referees getting too involved, all any of those things, if he's not making those same mistakes, if he is making new progression, right? He's making a pass we haven't seen before. If he's scrambling in a way to get a pass, if he's rushed, scrambling for a rush, all those things, we stacking those positive plays. That's what this season is about, right? The final score, the win loss, you do, you don't get a win loss, right? For moral victories. But what you do do is you establish good rapport for next year with those moral victories. I like it, Mason. I like it. I really have nothing, I guess, beneficial to add, but all I'm going to ask <laughs> this little magic eight ball here is whether or not we're going to see Tom Brady. We kind of talked about, is he going to throw up like the four fingers for, you know, not for losing track of what down it is, but for the fourth touchdown he scores in the game. So we're going to ask the magic eight ball here. If that's going to happen, will Tom Brady throw up those four fingers for the four touchdowns? He's most likely. It couldn't be more clear as day. Yes. You can't see that, but it's just a simple. Yes. And usually this guy does, he has a mind of his own and says whatever, but it's like, Yes, it's going to happen. So <laughs> there it is, you guys. Uh, Tom Brady's looking for revenge, and he's going to look at Nick Foles and maybe not think kryptonite, but just get this fiery passion that he always plays with. But that was fun, Mason. Uh, I really, again, the segment that you brought on, awesome. Cannot wait to incorporate that for future episodes because that was a lot of fun. And pro- like I said, probably made me look dumb at who I picked, <laughs> but it was awesome. Uh, everybody that tuned in, that watched uh, the live uh podcast here on youtube or on facebook wherever you're watching we really appreciate it and make sure if you're not already like go follow mason on twitter follow myself on twitter follow chicago audible on all your social media platforms so you can get up to date with everything that we're going to post throughout the rest of the season like you said get ready for sunday maybe just have lower expectations that may uh help you out in the long run but thanks everyone for tuning in but until then Bear down, Chicago. Bear down.